great. I uh, welcome you. Welcome to you at uh, Homer Glen. Welcome at New Lenox. Welcome at our Flower Mound campus. And if you started a campus somewhere else, let us know. We'd love to know about you. And obviously at Orland Park, I just, I mean, I feel like I just want to start right now by praying for the Turkey and the Syria situation and the earthquake. I mean, we can't just like it's, it's, it's just weird. We had, you know, Super Bowl and we all want to be, you know, happy and cheerful. And then, you know, 25,000 people are dead and still a bunch missing. And um, we need to pray. So let's do. God, I just want to pray. Um, sometimes, a lot of times when these things happen in uh, other places, uh, it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't impact us. And, um, and it should because they, they are your children also. And, um, and and we're we're so uh, we're so sad and and grieving on behalf of those people. Even even though most of us probably don't know anybody that was involved or whatever, um, they're our fellow humans and they're our fellow brothers and sisters um, that you created. Whether they followed you or not, whether they look to you or not, they they are your children. And um, and we just want to pray that you'll be with the relief organizations and be with the governments and be with the people that are, are trying to clean up. I mean, there's a lot more to be done, Lord, and we know that. It's not just like, okay, now what do we do? We, we clean up and we go on. Um, there was already so much strife and civil war and everything going on there, Lord. There's a, a lot more heartache to come. So we just want to pray that those people will feel our prayers today and uh, that, you'll, that you'll bring them peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, and by the way, we're, um, we're already involved. Uh, you know, we go through a convoy of hope in these situations. Uh, if you want to, you know, if you want to do something else, we, we were working through convoy of hope to get in there. Obviously a lot trickier this time than it has been in some of the other situations, uh, just because of the political situation and everything else. Um, but, but we're, uh, we're boots on the ground through a partner organization. And speaking of a partner organization, Hi, Wallace. Good to have you here, man. So good to have you. Um, we've got Wallace here uh, at, from uh, Missions of Hope in Kenya, where I've been, uh, we've been partnering since 2006. That was my first trip over to Africa. So at all of our campuses today, you're going to have an opportunity to be able to uh, sponsor a child. And you know that uh, on, you know, on my behalf, we started doing that as soon as I went to the very first time. And uh, the, one of the sons that we adopted um, all the way through high school and college, and then he had a heart uh, problem and passed away. So if you haven't heard that whole story, um, totally, uh, totally endeared us. And uh, we still got a couple of kids that we've adopted from over there that we sponsor over there, I guess I should say. They're not moving over. We're just sponsoring them. And we want to encourage you to do that because for a small amount of money, you know, for, for less than you're spending at that new coffee place in Mokina, you, uh, you know, you could sponsor a kid and really make a lot of difference. And I love that new coffee place in Mokina. Um, okay, but I know that the real reason that you're here is um, because it's Super Bowl week, right? And you got your uh, you got your apps open, you know, whichever one, and you're just waiting for a word from the Lord. So I just need to I just need to explain to you. I mean, did you think I was not going to do it this year? I mean, what what was that reaction? That's so weird. Like, oh, he's going to do it. Yeah, of course I'm going to do it. I know, I know what happened, you know, last time. I, I get it, but listen, here, here's, here's the thing. I just need you to know that I really want the Chiefs to win. 
And, and, and if you really want something, you can make the Bible do what you want it to do. Okay. I just, I just want to be clear on that. I was born in Missouri, spent most of my childhood in Oklahoma and we never had an NFL team. So we either had to go South to the Cowboys, no, or, you know, North to the chiefs. Right. So, so, uh, you know, I had to borrow one. So I'm a, I'm a chiefs fan. And, and so I prayed and I fasted to the Lord and a, and a mighty wind came through and flipped my Bible open and, and it turned to Exodus chapter three, verse 16, where the Lord said, go and gather the chiefs of the children of Israel and say to them, truly, I have taken up your cause. How do you argue with that? I mean, that's unbelievable, right? And so I said, Lord, you know, what, what else do you have? I, I need some more. I, I, I want to know more about what your word says. And he, and, and he flipped the pages over just like that into 1 Peter 5, 4, where it says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So when Mahomes shows up, you will receive, the, that, that's what it says. But of course, I'm like, Lord... I, I've read the Bible. I know there's a lot of stuff about eagles in the Bible, and this is really like, you know, it's concerning me, you know, mount up on wings of eagles. And I know there's some good stuff in there. And, and the Lord said, no, listen to me. And he flipped me back to Leviticus 11:13. He said, these, however, these moreover, you shall detest among the birds. They are an abomination. The eagle, the vulture, and the buzzard. They are an abomination, Philadelphia abomination. Okay. And, and I was like, but Lord, can you just give me one more? I mean, I, I barely have a better than 50, 50 average here on this. And I really need a win here. And, and I mean, slam dunk Bible all the way over to revelation. And he said, whoever has ears, let them hear what the spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt. Jalen Hurts is the quarterback for the Eagles. And it clearly says the one who is victorious will not be Hurts, okay? Right there in Bible, okay? That, that's what I'm talking about. Now, uh, in case you're making your bets right now and, and, and you know doing that online, you need to understand that the last time I predicted that the Chiefs would win the Super Bowl, the Lord struck me down. Well, clearly... Uh, I am a false prophet, and to God's credit, he tried to, to tip me off by this little action that happened on stage. He's weighed down with his own stuff, his own stuff. Uh, well, I, I think I had a concussion. That's all I can say. <laughs> so there you go. Um, hard question today. I mean... I'm going to answer it for you, and, and it's, it's interesting, and this is why we're doing baptism weekend in February, and by the way, did anybody go outside and notice how nice it is in February? All right? Um, the question, and, and I'm saying that because we, some of you are like, what are you talking about? Well, we baptized by immersion, okay? So, you know, you're going to be wet when you leave, okay? Just, just get it, okay? It's going to happen. So this question is hard. Because as Jesus followers, we believe that Jesus was and is perfect. And that baptism is a symbol of our forgiveness and new life in Christ. 
So why would Jesus do it, okay? And we've been going through, in case you're new, we've been going through Quest 52. We've still got books available at all of our campuses, and uh, they're available online and whatever. I mean, we're only like six weeks in, and we're going to go through this as a church the whole year. It's 52 weeks. That's what the 52 is about, okay? Um, that's your math problem for today. And, and we're going to go through this the whole time. We're not going to preach through the whole thing, but we're going to preach about this up to April, and then we may come back and pick it up sometimes along the way. But we're going through this. And, and you got to remember what we're doing. Our goal here is not to know Jesus better. It is to be more like Jesus, okay? It's not just to, to know the Bible better. It's not just to know Jesus better. Our goal is way deeper than this, okay? This is, this is why this is a different relationship than anything else that you have. Your goal in your marriage is not to be more like your spouse, although, you know, you see some people that are like, well, that's the same person, right, when they've been married for a long time. But that's not the goal. That's just an accident. Our goal is to be more like Jesus. And I get really, really tired of people that think they know everything about the Bible and know everything about Jesus, but they really don't act like it. So in Matthew 3, we're introduced to uh, John the Baptist. Um, John, uh, it just says, John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey, people who went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, okay? So John is this really weird character. I mean, if it sounds weird that he eats locusts and, I mean, wild honey sounds okay, but you know, locusts are locusts. They're like bugs, right? And he's wearing camel hair, okay? So he's styled as an Old Testament prophet. As a matter of fact, camel's hair was worn by Elijah the prophet, and there was a prediction that an Elijah would come before the Messiah, so it clearly is John the Baptist. It's who he is. It's not Elijah reincarnated. It's just an Elijah figure, and if you've ever ridden on a camel, you would know that camel's hair, you know, is not comfortable, okay? And it's the coarse garments that he wears out in the desert, which would have been even more brutal, right? But it's a symbol of his mission to preach repentance to the people. Um, oftentimes in the Old Testament, if they were repenting, if they were praying, they would put on sackcloth. And it's the same thing. It's made from, it's made from camel's hair, all right? It was, it was a sign of mourning or a public show of repentance for sin. That's what he's doing. And then he's calling everybody out and everybody's going out and they're all confessing their sins and they're repenting and they're being baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And, and we get all that. I mean, John's, John was here to help prepare the hearts of the people, right? And here's what John says. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John has a very high view of Jesus. He doesn't think he's worthy to pick up Jesus's sandals. And, and I know that doesn't sound as disgusting as you got to imagine that it is. It's like, yo, nasty gym shoes, right? I'm not picking those things up. No, he said, I'm not worthy to pick up the nastiest thing that Jesus would leave behind. They, they don't make enough Febreze for what those guys were walking around through back there on their sandals. And John is saying, I would love to be good enough to pick them up. He's essentially saying, you see my boss? Wait till you meet my boss, he's amazing. So then we get to this, this 
spot where Jesus is getting ready to start his ministry. All right. And, and again, if you're new, we've just been going through the life of Jesus. So we're, we, we, got, we went through the, the genealogy to introduce him and, and how Jesus came from sinners for sinners. And we went through the Christmas story, but, but we looked at, the, at, the, at the, the reason that Jesus was born for us and how that all worked out and how God worked through the imperfect people and the sinners in that story. And then we talked about uh, being at the temple last week and, and how he needed to be about his father's business, the only story from his childhood. And here's the next thing in succession, all right? His baptism. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. you come, do you come to me? I mean, it, it's a weird conversation. I mean, you get it, right? Jesus gets on the scene and, and he shows up and, and, and John the Baptist is probably thinking, all right, Jesus is here. Jesus, start baptizing people. You can start with me because you're gonna baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. I'm just baptizing for repentance. And Jesus says, no, I want you to baptize me. And John's like, for what? What have you done wrong? Forgive me, Father, for I have... Nope. <laughs> so John has the same kind of question that we're asking. Wait, aren't you the king of kings? I, I, I need you to baptize me, right? I mean, this, is, this would be like LeBron James passing you the ball for the final shot of the game, right? Which he clearly should do because even though he's the highest scorer ever, his last minute shot percentage was nowhere close to Michael's. I'm just saying, okay? Can I get an amen? Okay. But here's how Jesus responds, okay? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And John consented, okay? There's our answer to fulfill all righteousness, but what does that mean? Well, maybe it's a model for us, and certainly that's a part of it, and, and, and I'm gonna argue that anyone who hasn't been baptized like Jesus was today ought to do it today. God made it nice in February in Chicago for you, and it is a, it is, it is a chance for you to mark your identity with Jesus, okay? And that should make me want to do it. Baptism doesn't save you. It didn't save Jesus. He didn't need saving. But in a minute, you're going to see that God is going to open, literally open the heavens and tell Jesus, I'm proud of you for fulfilling all righteousness. And when you take that into consideration, that would make me want to go get baptized every week, which of course Jesus already, you know, thought about in, in advance, and that's why he gave us communion to do every week, so that we could always go back and remember why we're here and who we're connected to and what Jesus did for us. But I believe that there is more to this, okay? Here, here's, my, here's my statement. Jesus does not get baptized so his sins will be forgiven. Jesus is baptized to show that your sins are forgiven through him. Jesus' baptism foreshadows his death under the water, and this is why it's immersion every time in the New Testament, burying in the water and raising to the new life out of the water, and that is what is going to come. Jesus is, is basically giving us 
the, uh, the beginning of the, uh, the, the overture to a, a play or a musical or an opera or whatever, right? He's saying, here's what's getting ready to happen. As I start my ministry, here's what's going to happen. But more than that, he's showing us what he will do. So, so, so the question is, if you understand it this way, and, and whether you do or not, this statement is true. But if you understand it this way, this statement is really, really true. And it's, the, it's why we call it the good news. And it really frustrates me when preachers try to preach that, it's, that, that, you're, that you're scum and, and you're bad news and you ought to come to Jesus because you're a bad person, okay? Here's the thing. You don't need to be a good person, because what that leaves me with is, oh, well, if I'm, I need to be a good person and come to Jesus. And the truth of the matter is, you should be a good person because good people are better than bad people. Can I get an amen? Okay. I mean, let's, let's, just, let's just agree with this. And, and when we're good people, when we follow what God put in place for us, our lives are going to be better. Everybody's lives are going to be better. And the world is going to look at us and see something different and want to be a part of that. Okay. But, but here's the thing. You do not need to be perfect because Jesus already took care of it. So turn to the person next to you right now and say, you don't need to be perfect. Now say, you could be better, but you don't need to be perfect. Okay, why? Why is that true? I mean, it's the gospel, you guys. Jesus took all of our sins on the cross and he buried them and then he rose up again and he started his ministry by fulfilling all righteousness. And this is why, just in case you're wondering, this is why we do baptisms. We don't do baptisms in the name of you. I now baptize you in the name of Joe. No, we don't do that. What do we do? We baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's through Jesus' work on the cross. We do it to fulfill all righteousness. We don't do it to fulfill all righteousness. He did it to fulfill all righteousness. And the reason I got to bring this up at this point is because I know right now many of you are fighting, carrying burdens, things that want to hold us underwater because we think we need to be perfect. A perfect employee, a perfect parent, a perfect spouse, a perfect single person, a, do whatever. And if we're honest, it's exhausting. But here's what you need to understand. Jesus sings, sees us when we swing and take a swing and miss. You don't have to be perfect. You can rest in the one who is perfect. Jesus' followers trust that a good life is knowing that we are not perfect, but Jesus is. And I would go so far as to say that trying to be perfect is like driving your car with the emergency brake on, with the parking brake on, right? It's not how Jesus made us to live. It's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus didn't come and get baptized and, and, and fulfill all righteousness. Jesus didn't go to the cross so that you could follow him and be really, really almost perfect, it says, for our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I'm just telling you, uh, obviously sin is bad. Sin is bad for you. 
It's bad for everybody. God didn't give us all these things as examples of how we should not live because he was trying to be mean. He was doing it because he wanted to help us. But the only way to live in this perfect righteousness, in this perfect place that we are, is to take the emergency brake off and remember that Jesus already died, that Jesus was buried for all righteousness. And we can experience more of God's love and more of God's truth and his kindness. And we can feel a release in our souls from the constant desire to make ourselves our own savior. Can I say that again? We can release ourselves in our souls from the constant desire to make ourselves our own savior. And if it's been a while, I just want to remind you that God loves you and you matter to him. And he sees all of you and is working on your behalf. Interesting thing about this story, um, according to Mark Moore, who wrote the book, um, my, my friend Mark, first, uh, there's three things, three little markers in this story that are really interesting, okay? The first one is that the heavens were torn open. Listen to this. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Mark used a specific word. It's schizo. I mean, it's literally schizophrenic. It's, it's to tear, okay? It's where we get the word to tear. And it's a rare word for Mark. As a matter of fact, Interestingly, the only other time Mark uses the word to tear, so God tore the heavens open and spoke down and said, you are my beloved son and you I am well pleased, okay? And the only other time he did this is in Mark 15 when Jesus is crucified and the curtain of the temple is torn in two from top to bottom. And I've talked about this a lot, but the significance of that is just one little verse in the Bible. But the significance is that from that point on, we have access to God. And as an interesting aside, Josephus, who was a historian that wrote about that time, said that on this thick veil were the stars of the heavens. They had stars all over them. So that literally what it was symbolizing was that God was behind that curtain of stars, which is the exact same thing that happened right here, right? Separation between God and man is broken open temporarily by God at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, way to go Jesus, and permanently torn open at Jesus' death. This whole thing is the overture to what is getting ready to happen for Jesus. And the second thing that happened is the Spirit of God descended like a dove, okay? Also a rare event when the spirit took physical form or at least visual form. And it's one of the only places where we see the father and the son and the Holy Spirit in the same place at the same physical sense at the same time. How, that's how big of a deal this moment is. The plan of God is unfolding in front of them. God's son led by the spirit would die for our sins and be raised again for eternal life. And the third marker of this thing is that God audibly spoke. Again, not something he did very often. Also very, very rare. The only, he only did it three times. And it was during Jesus' ministry at the transfiguration. And it was just before his death when he spoke to him in the garden. And it was now. Okay? So that's how important this whole thing is. So here is Paul, the Apostle Paul, talking about the death and burial and resurrection. 
If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You see that? Okay? That's the symbol. That's the overture of what's going to happen. Then what happens? Immediately, the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Yeah. 40 days, um, he went out, he fasted, didn't eat anything. Right after Jesus comes out of the water, we hear the voice of God confirming who Jesus is. We have a model, we have a picture of the gospel, we have this really cool voice of God in baptism. And so it's easy to think that if you're thinking about doing this today, that, that once I get baptized, everything's gonna be easy. Everything's gonna be you know easy peasy for me. And I'm just going to release being perfect, and I can trust in what God did on the cross, and everything is going to be easy. But here's Matthew's version. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, understatement. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So right at the conclusion of the moment where Jesus is baptized, he is led by the Spirit into temptation and he faces difficulty, all right? If you are trying to focus, here's, here's what you need to understand on Jesus and, and the hope that you have on him. Here's what I wanna tell you about this whole thing. Baptism is about identity and, state, and Satan wants to steal it. Baptism is about identity and, and so when you get baptized, you're identifying with the righteousness of Jesus Christ and Satan is going to work a little bit harder to try to steal your identity. What does he say to Jesus? He, he comes to Jesus. He says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. If you are the son of God, like, are you really? Are you really a Christian? Are you really made perfect by the blood of Jesus Christ? Are you really? Have you heard that voice ever before? Are you really who you're supposed to be? This is the problem, Right? He goes to the next one. He says, he took the devil, took him to the holy place and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, are, if you really are, are you, are you the son of God? Then throw yourself down and the angels will get you. Do you see what he's doing? He's attacking, he's attacking his identity and he's providing alternative identity. Satan tempts him with three different things, physical appetite. I mean, you've heard money, sex, and power. It's the same thing, the same three things. Physical appetites, which would include any kind of physical appetite, but obviously, if he hasn't been eating for 40 days, it's turned these stones into bread. And then it's power or pride. Throw yourself down and the angels will catch you because that had been prophesied that Jesus would not break a bone. And he never did, which is why it was so interesting that the that the guy, that the centurion speared him in the side instead of breaking his leg like they normally did to people on the cross. But Satan knew that he could throw himself down, he could have a big party, he could post it on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. Watch this, you guys, Jesus threw himself down and the angels caught him. He must be the son of God, woo, woo, woo. And Jesus said, no, uh -uh. That's, that's not what I'm doing. That's not what I'm here for. 
If you are, is the identity that Satan is trying to steal from him. So here's, here's my thought for you, okay? Maybe this year you've decided I'm focusing on Jesus and, and, and that's it. You know what's gonna happen? Satan is gonna try to, I, he's gonna try to steal your identity. Money, sex, and power, right? So, I mean, the last thing was uh, things, the possession of things. Again, it says the devil took him up to a high place and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, bow down to me and I'll give you all this. You can have all this, right? So here's, here's what I want you to understand. Baptism is a way of marking your identity and Satan is going to try to steal it. And honestly, he's gonna to try to do that anyway. He's been doing that to you before you got baptized. But this is what happens to Jesus and it shows us what happens in the real world. So don't be surprised, don't wonder what's happening. Know that you are in line with God when you are facing challenges. And let me say it this way. Your challenges do not mean that God is absent. Your challenges are a sign of God's presence and a sign of your identity. God is working and doing things in your life that you cannot see. So our job is to stay faithful and stay focused on Jesus. Not to be perfect, but to stay faithful and focused on Jesus. And don't believe Satan when he tries to steal your identity or he tries to give you a substitute identity through things or through physical appetites or through power. That's why baptism was given to us to help us remember our identity. Yesterday was our 39th wedding anniversary. Okay, you can applaud for my wife right now. Thank you. 39. Um, do you know why I know that? My wife told me, right. No, do you know why I know that? Because I was there, okay? I was there. We had a ceremony. It's a nice day for a white wedding, yeah. That was 1984, George Orwell, man, so many things, right? 39 years, but you know what? Whenever I question my identity, whenever I would, I would maybe wonder about where I'm supposed to be in the world, I always know I am married. I'm wearing the ring, I remember the ceremony, and I was there. Here's something practical for you when you find yourself in a hard moment this, this week. Say, God, I know you are with me and I trust you. My identity is in you. And on days when it's easy to forget God's love and goodness in your life, hold fast because you are not alone. You're not alone. Listen to this. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. And he raised Christ from the dead and he will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. So hey, if you've been baptized, remember your identity. You can remember it. I can remember my identity, April 12th, 1969. That's when I submitted to the waters of baptism because Jesus did it to fulfill all righteousness. And if you haven't done it, why not today? There's a lot of ways churches baptize. Um, some dip, some pour. Some do this, you know. Um, some, some do babies, um, but that baby didn't want to go in, all right? And, <laughs> and, uh, and this is how we do it, all right? This is us, all right? There you go. We, 
Yeah, when baptism is like professional wrestling. So why do, why do we do it by immersion, okay? Because that's what the word literally meant. That's what they did in the Bible. And that's how Jesus got baptized, by immersion. It's the same word. Baptizo is the same word they use to dye fabric. Um, it's the same word that you will use in a, a couple of months to dye your Easter eggs, okay? You can't dye your Easter eggs unless they're all the way in, Okay? That's full identity. That's what it's supposed to be. So right now, if you're a Jesus follower, you have the Spirit of God with you. And if you're facing anxiety and fear and challenges with your family and your kids and whatever, um, the God of the universe is, is with you, okay? And I encourage you to seek him and lean into him. And for some of you, it is heavy right now. And maybe you limped your way here today. You are not alone. You are loved. You matter to God. He got baptized to fulfill all righteousness. And he also died and rose again for all righteousness. And it was all for you. And maybe for some of you, you're just doing life right now. And it's not many crazy highs or lows or whatever. And that's sometimes a trickier spot to be in. Because you're comfortable. And that's when we need to lean on God as well. We need to remember our identity. If Jesus was perfect, why was he baptized? To give us a picture of the gospel, to show us a model to follow, to show us his unity with God and therefore our unity with God because the veil has been torn open. So wherever you find yourself today, I wanna to encourage you, you do not need to be perfect. Set your eyes on Jesus. Don't be surprised when you face challenges. And just remember that you're not alone. We're gonna do baptisms at all of our services. Just go to the back. You don't have to sign up early. If you wanna do it today, go to the back of your auditorium at your campus. We already have towels for you. We have something to set on your car seat. If you got a nice car, you don't wanna get the seats wet. We've got t-shirts for you if you're wearing inappropriate clothing to get baptized in. We've got probably some shorts and some other things if you really wanna change. We've got everything for you everything to be ready for you. All you have to do is go to the back and come up and we will do this together and we will baptize. And we will baptize dozens of people this weekend. If you're thinking it ought to be you, then it ought to be you. Let me repeat the good confession right now. And I wanna ask you to repeat the good confession with me. This is what Peter said when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And I'm just gonna have you repeat it with me. If you believe this, this is your identity, okay? Don't let Satan bring in others. Don't let Satan steal it. Don't listen to him when he says, are you really? Yes, you are because of this. Say it with me. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and he is my Lord and Savior. Here's what Paul says. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. Who, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in his death, 
we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. God, I just want to ask that you be with us right now. And if there are people who are thinking about it, knock really loudly on the door of their hearts right now. Tell them to get up and get down here. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I want to have you stand. We're going to worship together. And if you want to do it, go to the back and sign up back there and we'll get you going. Come on down. The water's fine.